Welcome to Let's Talk Trade, a podcast by the World Trade Organization. I'm Yuri Zabu Yamashita. The COVID-19 pandemic has had a big impact in livelihoods around the world. Companies, big and small, faced many challenges. This was especially compounded by the measures imposed to keep populations healthy. For example, restrictions on mobility and travel. But amid the many setbacks, we've also seen stories of resilience, of creativity, including among the smaller businesses. What tools have they used to adapt? How has trade supported them? What can we learn from these experiences? This is the focus of the WTO's Public Forum, our annual outreach event. So let's talk trade. Today, Resilience Stories. Pandemic Hell, Cielo Hammocks. Cielo is a small company located in Yucatan, Mexico, with around 20 employees. They produce and sell hammocks. Before the pandemic hit, they were already exporting to other companies abroad. They relied heavily on their local shop to attract clients. And then... Se declara como emergencia sanitaria por causa de fuerza mayor a la epidemia de enfermedad generada por el virus SARS-CoV-2 COVID-19. This week, Mexico's deputy health minister called for a voluntary 30-day isolation period and declared a national public health emergency. The pandemic upended our lives. We all felt it, one way or another. To stop the spread of the virus, governments started to roll out restrictions. Shops, schools and factories were shut down. Jobs that could be done from home moved overnight to our houses. Trade was also impacted, as governments and businesses had to adapt to these uncertain times. So what about Cielo? We reached out to the co-founder and she told us her story. I'm Josefina Ursais. I am a social entrepreneur and our business is Cielo Hammocks. We operate as a cooperative and we have around 900 weavers who are part of our network. 95% of them are women living in small villages around 35 different communities in the state of Yucatan. And the peninsula of Yucatan, if you look at the map, would be the the center of the peninsula where this trade or or weaving hammocks is a um, a gift in the the communities, um, has been done for hundreds of years. And is I will say that in the whole world, we make this hammock to sleep in them ourselves, and then we turn this into a business. But, um, but the origin or, or why people are so gifted at making these hammocks is because we have been sleeping in them for generations. So being able to be part of this network of weavers allows them to generate income for them and their families um, while staying at home. So they weave home hammocks, we drop them off yarn, and then we're done. And it may take them a week or two weeks. We come back, we pick up the woven yarn and drop off more yarn and then pay for their hand labor. And that's how the business worked. Then we take it to our workshop and then complete the hammock, do quality control and then ship to their destination. And we started the business about a decade ago with 100% exporting every single hammock we produced. And now we have 20% of domestic market in Mexico 
that has continued to grow and the rest uh, continues to go around the world. We export to about 110 different countries. Besides the virus itself, the lockdown meant that one of their main resources to sell, their physical shop, also shut down. At the very beginning of the pandemic, all the businesses that were not basic for for everybody's um, livelihood were shut down. And of course, a store of handcrafts was shut down. And our store was very important to us, not only um, for marketing, but also the sales that that happen at, at that store really keep up with our fixed costs. And so losing that was um, a very important financial hit that we had to find ways to overcome. We reduced production significantly. The good thing was that we had always kept a large inventory, but um, we have been launching new designs in the last year and a half and depend on a Mexican manufacturer of fabric in um, the state of Puebla. And he completely shut down. But the pandemic also brought new opportunities as demand rose for her products. Interestingly, because a lot of people was spending time at home, I think a lot of people try to launch new businesses uh, that they could do online or working from home. And we had a higher than normal request of distributors, not only in Mexico, but in uh, around the, the world, Europe and the US mainly, of people who wanted to distribute our hammocks. So we had to tell to every new potential distributor that we couldn't um, because our production was so limited during the pandemic and mainly because our lack of access to raw materials. We have lost people um, that are part of our network and families of them. Nobody within our staff, and we have about 20 people in our staff, but everybody got it, including my brother uh, who managed all the operation. But then even worse, we had a tropical storm. We are a, a hurricane prone area. And the tropical storm actually caused way more damage than COVID itself. The damages from the storm compounded the hardships that she was already facing with the pandemic. Josefina also lost the ability to visit her network of suppliers. We truly have a human relationship with our weavers. And being able to visit them every other week like we normally do is important to us to make sure they're doing well, that they... Um, you know, are healthy and, and in good spirits, but also to have that friendly conversation. We couldn't access um, our weavers since we visited them home by home to drop off yarn. So we actually didn't even know the condition or how their livelihood was going during some of these months and it was extremely worrying for us. What we did with our weavers is that thanks to technology, with smartphones mainly and some applications like WhatsApp, we were able to continue to communicate with them in what products we wanted or what designs needed to be done. And that conversation continued because he had to be we just basically drop off the yarn at the front of the house. And instead of back in the day, you would come in, say hello, you know, uh, maybe even have a drink and explain, drop off the yarn and come out. Um, they would be just drop off and, you know, via the phone, this is what, you know, needs to be done. And there was no more the human relationship that would typically happen um, before COVID. One of the reasons why we think we're very successful working with such a large network of artisans is because we are 
part of them. We are members of the community in a way, um, and we make sure we work also with other stakeholders of their communities through our nonprofit, Fundación Cielo. Just education, education of the children, health of the community. It's important to us to be able to go and see and be in touch in person for all of these things. We used to do a lot of activities in these communities in person that we had to cancel for last year. And we were only left with our um, scholarship program. We sponsor about 24 young girls from these communities to attend uh, college. And we were only left working with them in different projects that we do to advance um, their studies and making sure they get jobs and find internships. How did you deal with these obstacles? One thing that Cielo Hammocks did was to create a stronger presence on the internet. Going online even helped them to gain new clients abroad. Most of our customers are brick and mortar stores. Their market is, you know, limited to wherever they are located, whereas the online, the market is endless, right? And so for sure, we have found that we export to new zip codes, both in US and Europe um, that we had not done before. At the same time, um, I'm very excited that the big uh, logistic companies stayed working because that would have been uh, catastrophic for us to actually stay in business and not have to completely shut down our doors, which very many businesses had to do over the last year. And although they were slower than normal, I don't think customers care or, or complain because everybody was so understanding of what we were going through. And we, our product made their, their final destination in spite of, you know, although at a, a slower pace. It was paramount to continue to do trade. That is the lifeline of our business. And adaptation, I will say, is my advice. I think what this has showed us is that things can change all of a sudden at any given moment unexpectedly. And our ability to adapt and find new ways to continue to do business under the new circumstances has been the key for us to stay in business. Um, we found new avenues to, to make sales. Thanks to the logistics companies that continue to work, uh, albeit at a slower pace, we were able to deliver our products to their final destination throughout the pandemic, which was essential for us to continue to stay in business and not have to shut down like very many businesses did, uh, especially in Mexico. Interestingly, the pandemic also helped Josefina realize other obstacles that she was facing to export even before everything happened. We're very glad and thankful that we were able to, to continue to export one of the issues we had that I think is worth noting is that because the government offices were shut down and we require paperwork done by the economic department, proving that the product is Mexican so that all the paperwork of the trade agreements go with our product so they can cross the border seamlessly. Honestly, in hindsight, so useless and such a waste of time to have to go physically to this one office, get the paperwork signed by some person in the office and bring it back and put it in your package that now they said you sign it and, and 
you know, with your own signature saying that this is a product which the origin is Mexico, that's good enough. And I hope we don't have to go back to what it used to be because it, you realize it was not worth the time, the paperwork, uh, even the trees that go on the piece of paper. I think it's fair to say that Cielo Hammocks was able to ride the obstacles and open new markets because of their quick reaction, but also because trade played an important part in making her business resilient. This makes me wonder, how representative is the story of Cielo Hammocks to others like them? I reached out to one person in the WTO who works very closely with micro, small and medium-sized enterprises to find out. Jargon alert. We refer to these companies quite often as MISMIS. My name is Catherine Lundquist, and I'm from the United States originally. I'm working in the Economic Research and Statistics Division. What I can say is that those MISMIS that have succeeded, and this has been documented by an UNCTAD, a recent UNCTAD report, those that have succeeded were the ones that already were online or were able to pivot online. And so Josefina, I think, is an example of that. Whether or not she is. Um, indicative of a broader trend that remains to be seen. I think it's challenging for many MISMEs to, to make that leap, to go online. However, that's where trade is taking us. And COVID itself has pushed forward something that was already in the works, which was this move to digital trade and uh, e-commerce. Those MISMEs that trade uh, and those that were able to pivot to online were the ones that were able to take advantage of this, this new change and shift. So would you say this is a new opportunity for these companies or you think this is another barrier? What's your view on this? So I think that it's an opportunity for those businesses that have access to digital infrastructure and have access to the Internet. Um, those businesses that are located in places where the infrastructure isn't as good, where the electricity isn't as uh, reliable and uh, the Internet isn't as accessible are going to continue to have the challenges. The digital divide has been underscored by COVID-19. And unless there's better access to reliable Internet, reliable electricity, those that don't uh, participate or have access to this are going to be left further behind. And are these companies facing any other obstacles? Are they telling us anything else? Well, one of the biggest issues to trade internationally um, is access to information, especially trade information. I like to say myself that even as somebody who has training in trade, I'm not sure that it would be so simple for me to trade, uh, trade something legally across borders. There are a number of regulations and rules that have to be followed and finding that information for each economy can be really a challenge. And this comes up again and again in surveys of small businesses. Micro, small and medium sized enterprises have significantly more trouble getting their goods across border. But the trade facilitation agreement, which entered into force in 2017 through the WTO, can help um, these businesses in particular, especially because it allows governments to accept both uh, hard copy and electronic documents. And as Josefina mentioned, it was the fact that she could now give an electronic signature on her documents that really aided her in her quest to, to trade. Has the pandemic also created or accelerated new trends, other things that were going on? One of the main 
problems that MISMIS faced in the COVID-19 pandemic was access to finance uh, and access to trade finance in particular. This is not something new. Over the past 20 years, studies have just, um, they've shown just a level of, of trade finance lacking that's ranging around $1 trillion. And it has not changed even within, even before the pandemic and even within that time frame. How does WTO work address these challenges? What is happening? What's being discussed? The WTO really sets the field for international trade, and it brings together the traders um, and the policymakers, the governments. It's a, a forum for discussions. At the end of the ministerial conference in 2017, the 11th ministerial conference, there was a, a, a group statement about the importance of MISMEs and how they can be brought into the, uh, into the trade discussion more broadly at the WTO. And it's this that has really uh, paved the way. And now members bring, bring it forward within uh, standing committees and MISMEs are talked about more broadly and it's, it's at the front of people's minds. And that's really where policy will make a change. I wanted to note one resource that MISMEs could look into if, if they're interested to trade. It's a starting point, and it would be the Global Trade Help Desk. This is an ITC UNCTAD WTO initiative that brings together market research um, and, uh, and market policy uh, trade, trade regulations into one place where you can search for your product and understand better what, it what is out there, what opportunities are out there, and what regulations are there in place to, to, um, that you would need to fulfill in order to get your product across the border. I would say on a basic level, behind every trade transaction, it's about the people who make it happen. And this is from the buyers and the sellers to the shippers and policymakers. And when we talk about MISMEs, this becomes that much clearer because you can see that it's every economy is made up of the sum of these individual people, these people who are participating in businesses, these people who decided to trade and to make it happen. Uh, and to make trade more inclusive for all of them would make a world of difference in terms of bringing on board these small businesses, uh, these in entities who would like to trade but are not sure that it's where they want to go, but who for whom it could really make the difference between continuing their business or finding the door shut and their opportunities limited. So we asked Josefina, what was her advice to other small companies still struggling with the effects of the pandemic? Here's what she had to say. My biggest advice always to small businesses is to think that because of how interconnected we are these days, that the world is your market. You cannot think when you think and do your business plan that your market is just your city or your state or even your country. The world is your market. With how things are these days, you're able to really sell a product or a service, maybe not so much, anywhere in the world, um, thanks to technology and, and how interconnected um, logistic companies can make us. And what about you, Catherine? So I would advise to do your research um, that if you're if you're looking to trade, it's very important to understand which market your product might be eligible for, uh, what it would require to get your product across border um, and uh, what it would take uh, physically and uh, just through shipping and delivery to even even get it there. So I'd say that work to help these smaller companies 
it's still work in progress. Would you agree? I think a work in progress is an excellent way of putting it. Thank you for listening. A big thanks to Josefina Urzais for sharing her story. Also thanks to Catherine Lundquist. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast in your favorite platform and help spread the word. Also check out our Let's Talk Trade video series in the WTO's website and social media platforms. Until next time. <music>